Hello and good day. This is the Bible Bard. My bard is a storyteller who recites traditional texts associated with a particular oral tradition, and I'm here to recite and to amplify what the literature of the Bible says about who is God and who are human beings. Here's the place we are at today. The last lesson discussed what the Bible says when it compares God in his essence and actions to humanity. Yes, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and exists everywhere at the same time. But he is also emotional. God has feelings. He responds as a whole person. While we cannot imagine what it is like to be God in his core divine attributes, we can imagine a little what it's like to be God when we hear what God feels. The text in this lesson reveals something very unique about the God of the Bible. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, 10 and 16, it states the following, quote, Love comes from God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God is love, unquote. From this text, we learn not only that God loves us, but that God is love. In other words, love is the center of God's moral and emotional nature. Love is the core of his being. Don't assume that the reverse of this statement is true, however. Love is not God. No, the Bible makes sure that we understand that God is a person, not a power or an impersonal force, even a force as wonderful and as powerful as love. As he feels it, God's love is powerful because his love has an impact on his actions. When Jesus speaks of loving our enemies, his rationale for doing so is explained in the next sample text from Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, which says, quote, You may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect." Unquote. In this text, we again see the difference between the common, what we do, and the sacred, what God does. God's love is so profound that he loves every individual in the human race, whether they are evil or good, righteous or unrighteous, holy, are unholy. The writers of the Bible provide illustrations of the extent of God's love. Speaking of the ancient Hebrews, the writer states the following in the next text, Isaiah 63, verse 9, which reads, quote, In all their distress, he, God, too was distressed. In his love and mercy he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Unquote. When God sees people afflicted, because of his empathetic love for them, he also feels their affliction. This same writer uses the love of a woman for her child as an illustration of God's love. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15, the text asserts, quote, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, God states, I will not forget you, unquote. 
The writer is not disparaging mothers with this comment. The writer is using mother love as an illustration of the supreme love humans are familiar with and then stating that God's love exceeds that supreme love. Another biblical writer uses an animal illustration to describe God's love for his ancient nation, speaking of that nation as if it were but a single person. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11, the text tells us, quote, He, that's God, cared for him. He guarded him like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions." Unquote. In this text, the writer uses an image of a mother eagle fluttering with concern over fledging eaglets, examining them, then teaching them to fly. A pinion, for those of you that don't know, is just the joint of a bird's wing. God's love of individuals, his love of people, is full of both passion and tenderness. Of course, this love is not just one way, just only God's love for us, the love of God commands reciprocation on our part and emulation, as the following famous text suggests from Leviticus chapter 6, verse 5, which states, quote, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, unquote. And in the same book in chapter 19, verse 18, the Bible uh, says, quote, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In a future podcast, we will discuss what the Bible teaches about the responsibility humans have to love God. Critics of the Bible often tell others that the God of the Old Testament is harsh and cruel, and since most people haven't read the Bible for themselves, they're willing to believe such statements. Hearing the actual text, though, suggests that the critics are wrong. This difficulty can come from an unreasonable bias, but most often it comes from not realizing that the Old Testament describes a national religion, see Lesson 3, while the New Testament describes a personal one. While God's character remains consistent between the two biblical divisions, in the Hebrew scriptures, the context is different because the nation dwells in a world filled with implacably hostile neighbors. Now, the Bible Bard has no problem with those who choose to reject what the Bible teaches. But to reject something you haven't read for yourself and don't understand somehow seems unreasonable. It's as if someone were to deprecate the ideas of Plato in the following ways. Imagine. We could agree with what we hear from others that Plato was a terrible person who said awful things. Wasn't he put to death for corrupting youth? Number two, because we disagree with Plato, shouldn't we campaign to ban Plato's writings from the public square? And number three, if anyone reads and enjoys Plato's thoughts, aren't they, like him, a terrible person? Someone who mistakenly believes that a guy who probably didn't exist could write anything that moderns could relate to this is terrible. Isn't Plato's culture thousands of years old and very different from ours so that it cannot possibly say anything relevant to us? These are the arguments uh, made against the Bible, and we hear how foolish they are if we make them against someone like Plato. 
Such a response at the least seems very anti-intellectual and unnecessarily hostile and at the worst, rabidly aggressive. This is how often the critics of the Bible treat the authors of the text and its message. The Bible Bar presents direct statements from the literature of the Bible so that listeners can hear what it actually says, not what some people say it says. The text presented by the Bible Bar are clear, not difficult to understand. The listener can make up their own mind regarding the validity of those texts. The Bible Bar does not pass in judgment on any listener's response, but the core social values of the Bible, as evidenced by the Leviticus text referred to in this podcast, those core social values offer a better hope for social progress than the ideas advanced by Plato or any modern social critic. This is the way the Bible Bard works. Brief recitations, closely focused, no distractions, no rabbit trails. Send the Bible Bard any questions or remarks you care to offer to BibleBardUS at gmail.com. Glad to hear from you. Thanks in advance for following and sharing content from the Bible Bard community. Thanks for listening.